Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Toole. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. On today's episode, we have Deputy Managing Editor of Golf Digest, Stephen Hennessy. Stephen oversees the publication's 100 Greatest Course Panel, Play, and Betting Coverage. He is also the host of Golf Digest Be Right podcast. Welcome, Stephen. Angela, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yes. So you are the first sports reporter you've had on the podcast. I'm very excited to talk with you. Gosh, well, you know, I, I wish it was someone a little more famous, like, a, you know, <laughs> I don't know, a Peter King or um, someone from ESPN. But uh, no, I'm, I'm happy to be on with you and discuss, you know, some of the stuff that I do on a regular basis. And, you know, I, I'm a huge media follower and in, in all trends and stuff. So, uh, you know, your podcast is is one that's right up my alley. So I'm excited to be here. Great. Thank you. And I'm sure you're busy and sleep deprived with a new baby at home, right? A little bit. We've been very lucky. She's eight weeks now, um, but she's been sleeping, you know, like five or six hours consistently straight through the night and then another two or three hours also. So we are very lucky. I, you know, speak to parents who, you know, still their kids are almost one years old and they're not doing that. So we are very lucky. We we cannot complain about sleep right now. You might have to stop at one then because the next one might not be as lucky, right? (laughs) I know it. And I'm, we're waiting for it to regress, but so far so good. Well, good. And you know, you say you've learned most of your life lessons from the nineties. So did any of those prepare you for fatherhood so far? It's, that's a great question. I feel like yeah. On a daily basis, I'll go back, uh, with my wife. We'll, we'll watch some like Rugrats skit that, you know, <laughs> somehow it, you know, brings us back to our childhood, what we're doing with our, with our baby currently. Um, so, so yeah, I think slowly, but surely we're, we're using the lessons of, of our childhood and using that with our baby. And yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that I've taken away is just how, you know, I did not appreciate what my parents did for me um, <laughs> until being a parent. It's such a sacrifice. And yeah, I, I'm sure that's a similar journey for anyone who's had kids. It's, you know, it's such an undertaking and you just can't believe that your parents did the same for you and, and all your siblings. So it, it is, uh, it's a very enlightening experience. That's for sure. It really is. And I'm sure you haven't gotten to golf as much in the last eight weeks. I, Unfortunately, I have not picked up a club and that's the, this is by far the longest I've gone, um, without picking up a club. I I would say, you know, before this stretch, you know, I did not go two weeks without at least going to the the range here in the Northeast in the winter, you know, it obviously gets tough, but I would always make a trip or two, you know, down South. Uh, So yeah, this is almost nine weeks of not even touching a golf club. And the crazy thing is there hasn't been that desire, like, oh my God, I haven't, play it. It's, it's just so great to spend time with the little one. So, Uh um, yeah, it's, it's funny how the mindset changes so quickly because before this, uh, and before our baby was here, I was playing as much golf as I could before she got here, knowing that my golf time would be pretty limited these days. Uh, but I don't even mind that it is. And that if you would have told me that before she was born, I wouldn't have believed you. So, (laughs) 
Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, going back to talk a little bit about your know, professional world, did you always want to be a sports reporter? I did. Um, yeah. In high school, I remember, um, you know, having a meeting with my guidance counselor in high school, it must've been my sophomore year. And we were, you know, discussing college and what I might want to do. And she's, and I really had no idea. And she said, well, you know, you're good at a couple of things. You're very knowledgeable about sports, which I was, I learned how to read from the back of baseball cards when I was, <laughs> okay. you know, one, one year old and would right. watch, uh, you know, video VHS videos of, uh, the New York giants super bowl run in, in 1990. And that, you know, I memorized every word of it. And that's kind of how I really, how I, my first words were Phil Sims and Pepper Johnson. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, she said, you know, you're, you're great at, you're obviously knowledgeable about sports and you're a good writer. I, I had good, right. I, I had good grades in, um, in all my writing classes. So she's like, have you thought about sports journalism? And I was like, I, I don't even really know what that is, but yeah. I read the newspaper every day. Um, so I, I kind of knew what it was. I just didn't really put a, a title to it. So I took a journalism class in high school. Um, I ended up being an editor in chief of our high school newspaper. And okay. yeah, I pursued colleges with really good print journalism programs and Penn State University where I went has a, a sports journalism school, which, you know, is a little yeah. rare and their sports journalism program is phenomenal. So yeah, I would say from very early on from when I was about 15 or 16 years old, I knew I wanted to do some sort of sports journalism, whether I think early on, I probably had my sights on being, you know, like a broadcaster on TV, right, uh, right, calling, okay. calling baseball games or something like that. But, um, you know, that has evolved as I've gotten more experience through college, um, and then landing my current job into where I am today. So, and were you a golfer at the time before going to golf digest? You know, a little bit. So I had been playing, I was a baseball player in high school, basketball also. Um, but so up till high school, I had never really played golf. So that that's pretty atypical, honestly, of the golf, di the typical yeah. golf digest editor. Um, most of my colleagues, you know, they played in college or if not in college, then they were on their high school golf teams, but right. I was more into other sports, but until I graduated high school and my buddies and I, we're looking for other things to do. And we picked golf like so many others do. And I got really into it, um, over, the, you know, my college years really. And yeah. So when it came time to try to find a job, you know, golf, all of a sudden was this big thing in my life and, you know, just kind of perusing golf digest magazine, which I was as a college student, I, I literally came across some names in the, in the magazine and found some phone numbers and just started cold calling them. And that's wow. kind of how, uh, how I gained, you know, how I got a contact at golf digest. And I did that. I finally got in contact with my first boss at the magazine Four four months later, he returned my call and said, <laughs> you know, I don't know if you're still looking for an internship, but we're now looking for one. Um, so yeah, it definitely an atypical path to, golf digest. Um, but now, you know, I'm as avid as a, as a golfer, as anyone on staff. So, yeah. And you started there right after college, right? 
I did the week after I, I graduated, um, I showed up to my cubicle in Wilton, Connecticut. Yeah. And I haven't left. So, um, <laughs> so you must like it. it. It is the dream job. I'm, I'm so lucky, uh, you know, to work in golf, as you know, Angela is, is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. and yeah, uh, you know, I'm fortunate every day for what I get to do. So when you do something you love as a living, does it become less of something you enjoy in your free time? It's a great question. It, it hasn't. No. Um, you know, golf is still, you know, my number one hobby, uh, you know, before having a, a child, obviously I was playing at least once a week, most times twice a week with friends, colleagues, um, you know, getting to travel all over and getting to play these great golf courses. Yeah. It, it felt, you know, it's amazing being able to do that. So even though there's really no escaping golf, I really have no desire to it's, it is such a huge part of my life, but it's, it's, you know, right after family and friends, um, you know, I'd probably put it third. Yeah. As deputy managing editor, what do you focus on? What are all of your roles? It's kind of three prong, I guess. I, I oversee all of our, um, our play content at golf Mm -hmm. digest. So we call that our what to play. So equipment, how to play instruction and where to play golf courses. So those have been the three pillars of golf digest for decades and decades. And so I oversee all the content for our website. Um, so, you know, we're producing content kind of separate from the magazine, also taking what we do in the print magazine, um, and optimizing it for web. So that's, that's about a third of what I do. I also, um, I oversee our gambling content at golf digest, which has really taken off over the last couple of years since the legalization of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a lot of fun. As you mentioned, I have, have my own podcast, so that's, that's fun as well. And then I also oversee our hundred greatest rankings, our course rankings. We have a panel of over 1900 avid, uh, golfers who contribute scores that determine our, uh, hundred greatest rankings, which are, you know, seen as probably the most prestigious in the industry. They're the oldest, uh, in golf. And yeah, so there, there's a lot that goes into that in terms of being a liaison between our course raters and the golf courses themselves, wanting to ask questions and wanting to know how they stand in our rankings, what they could do to improve. Um, I, I have a lot of varied tasks, I would yeah. say. There, I get a bunch of different emails, a lot of which get get lost in my inbox, um, right? Just because of the, the sheer volume. Um, but then I'm also, you know, editing content, uh, conceiving of it, um, you know, in the ideation stage, actually writing content myself, like we did last week at the Ryder Cup, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, and then producing audio uh, podcasts too. So what people always say at golf digest, all my, all my colleagues, and you know, it's interesting that so many people at golf digest are like me, they, they come and they, they don't want to leave because it's such a great job. But what, what they often say is you will, you will touch so many different parts of our industry at golf digest. Cause you know, we kind of do it all. Um, yeah. And, you know, it teaches you such a varied, like I have such a varied skill set because of it. And I'm so fortunate because of that. Um, they're all things that I enjoy, but it also teaches you things that maybe you're not so great at and you need to improve at. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's definitely a varied, uh, day to day and no one day is the same. That's for sure. 
I'm sure. So as you mentioned how busy you are in your inbox so full, how do PR professionals get your attention with information for, you know, golf courses, clients, products, and how can we help you do your job? Yeah, I feel bad oftentimes when PR folks, you know, reach out with with something and it gets lost. Um, I think a huge thing is when I have a connection with somebody. So, you know, now that you and I have made a connection, Angela, you know, I don't think we'll lose emails uh, back and forth between us. Um, And that's kind of the same for, you know, the dozens of other um, PR folks who have gotten to meet and establish a personal connection with in the past. If I see an email from them, I kind of prioritize it over someone who maybe I haven't you know, spoken to in the past. Sure. And that might not be fair to, to be honest, but, um, you know, if I see a familiar name, I'm more likely to open that. Um, but in terms of like maybe a sort of a cold pitch that, you know, is from someone who I haven't talked to, I would say like a personalized email that's kind of well-researched and, uh, speaks to their level of understanding of what we do at golf digest that that really always catches my eye rather than someone who, you know, obviously like it's a copy and paste, uh, situation. And, you know, they mentioned things that golf digest doesn't either we don't cover or doesn't really fit into what we do. Like those instances are kind of obvious to, to, you know, to sneak out and, um, you know, those are easier to ignore, quite honestly. So um, yeah, making that personal connection, I think is, is huge. And the knowledge of knowing, um, you know, what the publication is doing and how whatever uh, the pitch is kind of fits into that content scheme that that always catches my attention. That's great advice. So has the Golf Digest audience changed over the years and how has the publication evolved with it? When I started, which was in 2011. So, that, you know, that was a long time ago. It, it seems like yesterday, but um, I know. <laughs> yeah. So I was, and I was hired to, it's, it's funny when I say this, I was hired to edit the iPad app of Golf Digest <laughs> magazine. So as I say that now, that's such a archaic thing. Right. Uh, we don't even have that anymore. Um, <laughs> but through time, Golf Digest has uh, ramped up their website presence. I think when I started, you know, we had, we had a strong website. I would say we were probably like fifth or sixth in golf, but now, you know, we're kind of the undisputed number one website in right. golf and we're in partnership with the PGA tour through golf TV. So kind of putting those two together, um, you know, is, is kind of a, a huge entity within golf. So, and, and with, you know, the way that our content has kind of evolved and changed over the years, our audience has definitely changed quite a bit. I would say our print audience is still, you know, kind of that avid golfer, um, older in age, um, mostly male, uh, unfortunately. Um, but you know, our, our audience on all of our digital platforms is really a lot younger. And, you know, whenever we do sort of research, into so who, you know, who's clicking our articles, all that stuff, you know, it, it keeps on trending younger. And I think that's a reflection of golf kind of continuing to be seen as this kind of cooler sport. That's, you know, not necessarily the country club guy. It's, it's become, um, you know, more of a fun lifestyle that, uh, you know, people want to learn more about and, you know, 
there's more opportunities to get in the door. It's not as much of an elitist sport. Um, it is still in a lot of ways, but there's just more opportunities to get into the door. So um, as those things have evolved, I think uh, we've done a pretty good job at growing our audience uh, to adapt to those folks. Yeah, which is amazing. What are some of your most memorable stories or projects? Well, some of my mes- most memorable moments are you know, getting to interview um, some famous individuals and be on photo shoots and, and video shoots with uh, whether they're PGA Tour players like Jordan Spieth. We, we had a great uh, photo and video shoot. I think it was 2014. And we've done many shoots with him in the, you know, beyond that. But, you know, I'm recalling one, which was a lot of fun. One of my favorites was uh, getting to be with Steph Curry. He was on our cover mm-hmm. of Golf Digest back in, I think it was 2014, again, a long okay. time ago, but um, he was named one of our golfers who give back. And we did a, a video and photo shoot at Basketball City in, in Manhattan. And um, kind of in between shoots, uh, Steph was just kind of shooting around at, at one of the hoops and everyone was just kind of watching him. So I, I went up and started rebounding for him. And he, he missed a couple in a row and I kept passing it back to him. He's like, no, man, you shoot, you know, your your turn, you go. And (laughs) yeah, so I took the ball out. I'm in work clothes, but I, you know, sank like a 12 foot jump shot. Wow. (laughs) All my colleagues and, and Steph was like, there you go. That, you know, that's, that's why I'm giving you courtesy. Uh, So that was a lot of fun. Um, I also got to interview the individual who, won a million dollars on Tiger Woods winning the masters, um, in 2019. That was a lot of fun and, uh, kind of a substantial article to write. It got a lot of pickup, um, which kind of speaks to the legalization of gambling that, you know, something like that would have been seen as kind of faux pas in the the past, but, um, that was probably, that's at the top of the list in terms of, um, articles I've gotten to, to actually write. Um, and kind of a, a meaty piece of journalism um, profiling the individual James Aducci from Wisconsin, reporting it out, et cetera. So um, yeah, those I think those are the things that that really stand out. Everyone wants to ask me, you know, have you have you gotten to interview Tiger Woods? Um, I haven't. Uh, you know, now that Tiger was one of our Golf Digest and Discovery Golf partners. So, you know, a lot of my colleagues have gotten to spend time with Tiger. I I personally haven't. So that's, that's obviously a goal of mine, but other than Tiger, um, you know, I've gotten to interview pretty much every other golfer on the PGA tour, which is pretty cool. Wow. So since you've played a ton of courses, I don't know if this will be too hard of a question to even answer, but what are some of your favorite? (laughs) Yeah, I get this question quite a bit. And it's, it's always difficult to answer for me. I always stumble through it for a couple of reasons. Um, as you know, the guy who oversees our course rankings, you know, I have to be unbiased. Mostly the nice thing though, is that, um, I actually don't evaluate the courses for golf digest. It's all our course raters. So, you know, it's their scores. It, It has nothing to do with any of the editors at golf digest who determine which courses, um, you know, make our ranking. So I can be a little opinionated in this area. My answer, my stock answer is I have a top three. I've been very fortunate. I've played 
32 of our current hunter greatest courses, um, which is good for someone who's age 32. I know how, how lucky that is. Um, but some, I mean, some of my favorites, uh, are Shinnecock Hills on Long Island, um, Oakmont country club outside Pittsburgh, Pebble beach, which I got to play with my brother. It was kind of like our first big golf trip a couple of years back. And we, a cool thing about Pebble beach is that they let you, they let a family member, even if they're not playing, they get to walk with you also. So we had, uh, my niece, his daughter, um, walk with us and she had her GoPro out like taking pictures the entire time. And she hit a shot at the iconic seventh hole, even though she was only like 13 years old at the time and didn't want to do it. We forced her to, we said, you know, this is going to be a moment you'll always remember. So that is up there in terms of, you know, memorable rounds and abandoned dunes, you know, every course there is amazing stream song in Florida. Sand Valley is phenomenal. So yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm leaving a couple out too. Chicago golf club is like, is one of the best experiences in golf. So in Baltusrol, which I now live kind of down the street from Baltusrol, that's one of my favorites. I got to walk it, um, with the architect who redesigned it, Gil Hans, a couple months ago. So that's one of my, you know, coolest experiences in golf. So yeah, as, um, as I continue to ramble on Angela, I <laughs> continue to struggle answering that question because like I said, I, I've been very lucky and I know how fortunate I am as, you know, as someone listening to this, who's a golfer is like, oh my God. And I, you know, haven't even mentioned walking with Bill Core at some of the courses he designed. Um, so the amount of great golf that I've gotten to play, uh, makes that, uh, question a, a lot harder to answer. Sure. I know you also cover innovations in golf. What's on the horizon in 2022? I think interesting to me will be, um, the evolving media landscape and broadcast media. So, you know, like I'm, I'm so captivated by the Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, um, yes. kind of second screen experience on yes. ESPN two. And I, I wonder, you know, if we'll have a similar thing in golf and I think golf really lends itself to that. So, and particularly because I'm, you know, I cover the gambling space that that's prime territory, uh, for anyone who bets on golf, but any sport is watching a second screen. Um, and Barstool Sports does this very well in terms of, you know, content geared towards someone who has money, um, on the sporting event that you're watching. I think, you know, this is just such a new space in media that it'll be fascinating to watch how uh, it continues to, to evolve over the next couple of years. Um, I know like NFL network is starting to show odds on their, on their shows. And, uh, they have some, some shows that, you know, are talking about gambling, which is huge because the NFL was so, uh, anti-gambling in the past. So that's one area, um, water conservation in terms of golf course maintenance, I'm fascinated by and how the golf industry uses things like artificial intelligence to, you know, kind of really innovate on what have been some more traditional, practices. Like we just wrote a story about a new golf course in Wisconsin at Sand Valley, uh, using robotic bulldozers to build their new course. So they've been able to program the plans from the architects and, um, you know, take the topographical maps of the land that the course will be built on and program these bulldozers to move the earth based on the architect's plans. And how amazing. Yeah, it, it is. And to just think about that and, and then see it 
um, actually start to happen is, is fascinating. So I can't wait to see more of those types of projects and, and hit more parts of our industry even more. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was really intrigued to learn more about the golf betting and it wasn't a sport I typically mm-hmm. thought of as betting, you know, as you said, it was right. more recently that it was legalized and that's a topic of your podcast. Yes, <laughs> so that is. must be fun to, to work on as well. Oh, a ton of fun. Um, and now the PGA tour pretty much has a tournament each week. So, you know, there's really no off season. Um, you know, it used to be like January through the tour championship in September, and then there'd be a nice yeah. off season of a couple months, but you know, we had an episode this week, there's PGA tour events through, um, November. So there's only a few weeks off. So, you know, it's fascinating at all points and yeah, golf, you know, in and of itself lends itself to, to gambling. And it always has in terms of, you know, uh, Nassau's and betting amongst your friends. So I think it's such a natural sport and, and golf is great too, because it it gives you four days, uh, you know, worth of action. If you put, uh, some money on a golfer in some capacity, whereas, you know, if you bet on an NFL game or another sport, like it's only a couple hours. Um, so I think golf is, is great. And, it's really become such a popular sport amongst people who play uh, daily fantasy sports and who just bet on sports and probably unexpectedly because when sports betting was legalized in 2018, golf game, golf betting was very low on that totem pole. It was maybe like the seventh or eighth most popular bet on sport, but now it's, it's in the top three of most played DFS contests on DraftKings and FanDuel. So um, I think people are starting to see how much fun it is, uh, you know, to track the PGA tour w- once you have a little money involved. Yeah. And for our listeners, you can find be right podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us today, Stephen. Oh, so much fun. Thanks for having me, Angela. You can follow Stephen on Twitter at S underscore Hennessy GD. We'll link to his podcast and social accounts in our show notes. That's all for this episode of Media in Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. We'd love to hear what you think. You can find more at communicationsredefined.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.